Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have former Major League pitcher. He pitched for six different teams during his career, most notably the Yankees, the White Sox, and the Dodgers. He was a four-time All-Star, 288 career wins. Tommy John, how you doing, Mr. John? I'm doing great. Thank you. Really good. So when you came up with the Indians in the early 60s, you had a pretty good pitching staff there. You know, it's funny. I I played on uh, a few major league teams, and it's like every team I played on, we had good staffs. Cleveland had some good arms, Sam McDowell. Well, when I first came up, you had Mudcat Grant, Keon, Gary Bell, Jack Craylick, Jim Perry, not Gaylord, but Jim, um, Sam McDowell. Um, we had some pretty good arms. And then I was traded over to the White Sox, and we had even better arms over there. Were you surprised when you were with the White Sox that they couldn't win a pennant? Well, we could pitch, but we didn't hit. And unfortunately, it takes both both aspects to um, to win games, to win championships. And we, um, I, I was talking about this the other day. Our teams back in the '60s had a team ERA under three, and yet we could not win on a consistent basis because we didn't have any power, couldn't score runs. Because would you have Bill Melton with the Sox back in the late 60s, and that was about it? Well, late 60s was, um, Melton came up in, uh, yeah, 69, 70, somewhere around there. But we had Pete Ward, Tommy Agee, Don Buford, Tom McCraw, Ronnie Hansen, uh, Honey Bear Romano, Jerry McNurtney catching, Dwayne Josephson. Floyd Robinson, trying Kenny Berry, and uh, you know we had a good team. We had a very good team, but um, we just couldn't. Uh, we just couldn't get the job done. That was back in the day when pitchers still hit. You know, maybe oh. they needed <laughs> more hitting from you. Gary Peters hit uh, one night. Um, we're playing in Yankee Stadium, and um, he hit like seven in the order. And I, I, I can't think who hit eighth the ninth, but we ragged them for the next month. <laughs> Baseball players wouldn't do that to one another, would they? Oh, no, not at all. I, I tell you, if, if the poops, if the people heard what went on in Clubhouse, the politically correct people would not believe we say what we say, but it's not a malicious. It's just guys liking guys, and we just say some horrible things. I mean, horrible things, and and everybody's just laughing like that. But that's 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 life in the locker room. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. I mean, you had some characters on the White Sox and Indians back in the '60s. Mudcat Grant. I mean, he was a a true character from what I heard. Well, Mudcat Gary Bell was uh, was a was a prankster. Um, Sam McDowell was. I mean, we, we all had our little share of things that we did. And I mean, I, I was afraid to because I was just a baby. I was, as they said back then, I was a green pea. So you just shut up and uh, kept your mouth shut and learned and let the let the veterans. 
I remember one time we were in spring training, and um, I'm leaving the movies, and I looked uh, in back of me, and Dick Donovan is walking, and he said, hey, Tommy, how are you? He said, that, that was a good movie, wasn't it? And I said, oh, yeah, I laughed, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, where are you going? I said, I don't know, back to the hotel. And he said, well, let's go get a uh, an ice cream soda or a milkshake or something. And a veteran pitcher asked a raw rookie to go do something like that. Oh, my gosh. I was, uh, my mouth was dropped, and I, yeah, sure. And then um, Dick was a very, uh, he was a reader, and I'd read a lot. And that's what he asked me. He said, you read a lot, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, great. Gosh, he said, I'm really glad to see that. Uh, he said, I'm going to give you a list of books and and see how many of them you've read and the ones you don't, get them and read them, and then we'll, we'll talk about them. Um, my heaven's sakes alive, I would have read them if he would have given me war and peace or something. I would have I would have read the sucker. And then when you went to the Dodgers, I mean, you had some characters in that clubhouse too with Tommy Lasorda. I know Jimmy Wynn was laughing. He said when he went to the Dodgers, he put on a ton of weight because of the food in that clubhouse. Well, Back in the day, we didn't, um, food in the clubhouse was, uh, after ball game was chips and nuts and Cokes and a beer. And that was it. And then, uh, you know, nowadays, my God, nowadays it's, um, it's a seven course meal. And, and the guys complain if it's not done to their expectation. <laughs> now, you know, times have changed. Times have changed. But we'll sort of, well, sort of would have food before the game. That's where Tommy would get it. He would get guys would come in and um, and leave him. Um, oh, there was a uh, a Chinese restaurant in in L.A. called Paul's Kitchen, and every night they one of the one of the hangers on that Tommy's friends would go down to Paul's Kitchen, and they would bring him six seven different entrees that they would go down and eat and all that and. You go into Lasorda's room after uh, after batting practice, and um, and you would be dining on um, you know sweet and sour chicken or ribs or whatever. And Tommy didn't miss many meals. That that's for sure. And then years later, he gets a weight loss uh, endorsement out of it. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he and supposedly he gave that money to the sisters that. Uh, taught him when he was in elementary school back in Norristown. Uh, he supposedly gave it to uh, the money that he got that he gave to them. And, um, yeah, Tommy, had, Tommy works at all angles. <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't pay for many meals, though, from what I heard. No, he doesn't. He has deep pockets and short arms. <laughs> Those Dodger teams were something else, though, with that infield with say. And Lopes and yeah. Garvey and Russell. Well, the, first, the first game I pitched for the Dodgers in 72, Garvey was my third baseman. Maury Wills was my shortstop. Jimmy Lefevre was my second baseman. And Wes Parker was my first baseman. And that was a pretty good infield, except for Garvey couldn't throw. But um, And then they gave him a first base glove and told him, learn how to play first base. And... He certainly did. <laughs> he learned how to play first base. How, how good a first baseman was Wes Parker? I remember him as being just outstanding. Outstanding. He had very, very soft hands. Very soft hands. And he knew how to play. And, and I'll tell you, somebody else that was a good first baseman, although he, he didn't play it a lot, was Ron Fairley. 
Ron was a good, good first baseman, but uh, you know, uh, West was West was better. I mean, golly, he had just these soft, real soft hands, and um, plus he was a he was a switch hitter, a good hitter, hit a lot of triples, hit a lot of doubles, and uh, he was a good ball player. Your first base with the Yankees then your career was pretty good too, and Don Mattingly. Yes, he was. Donnie was. Uh, Donnie had good hands. Donnie was a good fielder, but Donnie was an outstanding hitter too. Now, your first All Star game was '68, and then your next one was '78. How gratifying was it to, to make the ones in '78, '79, and '80 after all that time? Well, you know, I thought I should have made it in '74 when I hurt my elbow. Um, I, I didn't get picked. The Dodgers. Um, Steve Rogers, you know, it was the thing where every team had to be represented, and the only guy that could go with the uh, with the um, expos or from the expos was Steve Rogers. So that was a starting pitcher that was taken, and the Dodgers had um, Messer Smith and Mike Marshall. And back in those days, uh, you couldn't have three or four pitchers off one team go to the all-star game. So at 13 and three, I got left off and then I hurt my arm with two games to go before the all-star game. But, uh, conceivably I, I could have been 15 and three and not made the all-star team. Well, you played for some great managers in Lasorda and Billy Martin. Who was the best manager you played for? Well, um, all in all, uh, I, I too, Lasorda was the best for making it fun to play ball. Uh, Tommy was the best. Tommy was really good at that. But um, the guy that was really good at managing the game was uh, Al Lopez was very very good, and the guy that took Al's place, Eddie Stanky, was a was an absolute genius when it came down to that. Uh, Gene Mock was good at managing a game, although Gene didn't understand pitching. Never did, and it and it cost him a couple of uh, trips to yeah. the World Series. Yeah, with a couple of teams. Could those managers from back then still manage in today's game? Do you think? Al Lopez could. Uh, Eddie Stanky, no, no way. No, Eddie came back and um, managed for one night with the Texas Rangers, and uh, supposedly the conversation was he went out to the mound to get the ball from Mike Marshall and Mike looked at him and he said, what the F are you doing out here? And Eddie said, yeah, you're right. He said, I wondered the same thing. He turned around and walked back and when uh, the night was over, uh, he he was there one game. He managed one game and quit. Billy couldn't have managed in this game. Dick Hauser could have. Well, sort of could have. Um, uh, Clyde King could have. Uh, you know, the guys, Gene Mock couldn't because Gene read the game. You know, they called him the general, and Gene read the game pretty, um, you know, pretty rigid. And the guys today, it's uh, more of a looser style. Uh, but Lopez was so good because what he did is just, um, here's the bats, here's the balls, go play. And, uh, you know, and let's tee it up tomorrow if we lose. Now, do you get any royalties any time it's Tommy John surgery is mentioned? I think if you did, you'd be a zillionaire by now. Oh, no, I don't. But um, they, there's a lot of kids having them, and there's a lot of kids that are going to have them.
what was it like going through that surgery? But when, when, you know, there, there was no uh, track record on a Tommy John surgery. Well, Dr. Job, and, and this is the thing that I believed in what he was telling me. Uh, Dr. Job said, if you don't have it done, you'll never pitch Major League Baseball again. And I said, okay. And I, and he said, but if you do have it done, the chances are you won't pitch Major League Baseball again. Well, never and maybe is, uh, maybe is a far better chance than never. So I believe Dr. Job and I said, let's, let's have it done. Pitchers nowadays, when they get that surgery, they're back in 12 months throwing again, and a lot of them are throwing harder than they did before. Was that the case with you? I don't know how hard I threw before because we didn't have radar guns, thank God. Uh, radar guns, radar guns are the worst thing, uh, worst thing that happened in baseball, and it's the thing that uh, I think probably lends itself to more Tommy John surgeries than anything is um, – the radar gun because kids pitch to the radar gun. You know, they, they, they go out there and throw as hard as they can and all this to light up the gun. And, uh, with me, I, I pitched in a ball game one year, one day after surgery. Wow. Well, you know, and, and that's pitching, not throwing. And I think that's what separates a lot of guys that step onto that mound is knowing that changing speeds isn't going from 95 to 93, and location is one of the keys to all that. Well, that's the thing. Uh, location and movement are much, much better than uh, than speed. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that's why it took me a while to figure out what I had to do to get myself to where I could pitch when I didn't have my good stuff. And, um, you know, and, um, and, um, uh, it took me until halfway into the next, next year for me to be able to uh, pitch and pitch effectively. I know Mike Marshall, your former uh, teammate, <clears throat> basically says that pitchers don't throw enough and they don't throw the correct way. And if they follow his system, they would have less injuries. Yeah, he uh, probably kinesiologically his is probably the most sound method of throwing, but. It looks so funny, and uh, all this. I mean, it's it's sound. It's it's mechanically sound, and all this. But it would take six, eight generations of pitchers to come through. Uh, you know, before um, it's just. If you've ever seen it, it it looks it looks funny, but it makes sense. It it makes uh, anatomically good sense, but it's just convincing the people that that's the way that you have to throw. you ever think we'll see a return to the four-man rotation on a regular basis? I don't see any reason that 100 pitches, I don't see any reason why you, you couldn't do it. But for some reason, teams seem to be reluctant. They, you know, it's like you got to go every well, day. They, yeah, they're, well, they're reluctant because they, they don't want to hurt arms or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, and I understand that, that that makes sense to me. But you still see arms getting hurt, even with the five-man rotation. Because they don't throw enough in between. Yeah, they don't throw enough. They have their throwing program, you know, throwing 200 feet and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. you just have to throw, 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 and it, it strengthens your arm. And, and uh, you know, there's no reason why a guy can't pitch 100 pitches every four days. 
I know Billy Martin got criticized in the early 80s with the A's for blowing out their young pitching staff by over-pitching them. You think, was that the start of teams deciding, you know what, we got to go to four-man rotations and limit pitchers with the pitch counts? Well, no, I think what happened with Billy is he left a lot of guys in. Um, he left a lot of guys in games. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the pitcher. Um, uh, Langford. Um uh, uh, not George Langford, uh, Rick Langford, uh, pitched 14 innings one game, and everybody said, Billy, let him go 14 innings. But the guy only threw like 125 pitches in 14 innings. And that's not a lot of pitches. And But people were saying 14 innings, but he didn't throw a lot of pitches. So, um, you know, he had Steve McCaddy, and he had Langford, and he had Norris. And I'm trying to think of the fourth pitcher they had. McCarthy? Uh, McCar- Steve McCarty? Yeah. Uh, McCaddy. Uh, and I'm trying to think. I, I, I forget now. But, but anyhow, you know, Billy got chastised over that. But, uh, you know, he, he was trying to win and those, those were his best pitchers and their, their arms were sound and, uh, you know, and he, he went with them. Uh, you know, once upon a time, Harvey Haddix won 13 innings, right? Well, I pitched a game, if you go back in my, when I was with the Angels in 83 or 84, I pitched like 12 or 13 innings in a ball game and, um, you know, came back five days later and I pitched again. And, you know, I have no idea how many pitches I threw, but they kept asking me, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. What do you think about the controversy with Reggie Jackson now when he said that A-Rod should not be in the Hall of Fame, then he came out and said Necro, Phil Necro shouldn't be in, and he mentioned a bunch of other players. Is that just Reggie being Reggie? Well, that's Reggie being Reggie, and I think when you work for a ball club like the Yankees, your, your opinion is not your opinion. It's the ball club's opinion, and I think that, um, you know, it's like me. I work for a law firm, and... Um, the law firm, uh, if I would say disparaging re- remarks about the law firm, then, you know, I, I they're going to hold my feet to, to the fire, and that's what the Yankees did with Reggie. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, what, what's it going to take to get you in? I don't have any idea. I, I don't know. I, 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 I thought I did at one time. I thought I knew, and uh, but I think what it is now, I, I just think that... Um, if it happens, it happens, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, then I'm not going to worry myself over it, truthfully. Elliot, another great show today, Ruth Riley and Tommy John. Not a bad duo. No, Tommy John, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame with those 288 wins. <laughs> or just because he has Tommy John surgery named after him, that that should do it all by itself. I still can't believe he didn't trademark that. <laughs> Could have made a fortune yeah, off it. That's too late now. And Ruth Riley, I mean, she's a writer activist, basketball player. She does it all. Definitely. And thank our sound man extraordinaire Dave Olson. And tune in again next week.